And uh, thank the Lord for a uh, thank the Lord for the rain. But if you need an outline, raise your hand real quick. Just one down here in front. And uh, we are uh, we are vastly approaching the fall season, and I love the fall season. We're so thankful for it, and uh, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in the coming days. Looking forward to today. To be honest, I, I was I'm excited about today's messages, and and uh, even this one when we talk about Jonah. The, the outline uh, says the title on there. It's about Jonah's prayer. And we want to read chapter 2 in its entirety. The cool thing about Jonah is if you ever, you know how you're like, sometimes you go traveling and people buy books, right? They buy a book at the bookstore. Um, Hudson News is normally the big thing in the airports, right? So you go buy a book because you're, I'm going to read this book when I travel. And you, you know, you start reading and you never finish the book, right? Because it's always so thick or so involved or, you know, you get involved in something else while you're on the plane. And, uh, and, and, and so you never finish the book. Consequently, you probably never will finish the book. You'll go home and, and either give it away or put it on the shelf. Jonah is one of those books that you can sit down at devotion time and read the entire thing because the chapters are so small and they're so understandable. That's what I love about it. So we're going to read um, chapter 2, which I think 2 and 3 are the smallest chapters in the 4. Chapter 1 is the longest. But uh, we're going to read chapter 2 today, and then we're going to jump right into this and uh, praise the Lord for the opportunity to open the Word of God. Let's pray here for a minute. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for another day of life. Thanks for uh, grace today, Lord, and the breath that we're breathing. Thank you so much for the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And God, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful and humbled by your forgiveness, your kindness, your goodness, your love. We thank you for the Word of God this morning. And uh, Lord, all that that entails, and it reveals who you are to us. And as we open it today, would you please give us understanding? Would you please give us wisdom? And then, Lord, as we learn from this, I pray that you give us the faith and the courage to live out the Word of God in our life, that we would live by faith. God, I pray for the needs and the burdens of people that are here. I pray, Lord, for continued healing for Bob and uh, his shoulder. I just pray that you strengthen and comfort him. I pray, God, for Carissa as she's preparing to go to Africa and she is at uh, her place of training. I just pray that you'd provide for her. I pray that you would encourage her, strengthen her. I pray, Father, that you would watch over our service today and that you'll bless the Word of God as we teach and preach it. And God, we want you to be glorified in all of it. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you and praise you for all that you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jonah chapter 2, let's pick it up here. So let, let's, let's just go back and read the end of chapter 1 and verse 17. says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to what up Jonah? What does it say? To swallow. Okay? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, the Bible says, as verse 1 continues, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my infliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice, <clears throat> for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed me, closed me round about, thy weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth uh, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up, up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities... 
forsake their own mercy. What a verse. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. Now, last week we learned about a city that God wanted to save. What was the name of the city? Do you remember? Nineveh. Okay. Located on the east bank of the Tigris River, this city covered a large area some 60 miles around, and they tell me that the population was approximately 600,000. That's a lot of people, okay, especially for those days, full of people on their way to destruction, and that's the key, is they were going to suffer the judgment of God. So what does God do? God calls a man to deliver the message of salvation, and Jonah is that man. And by the way, Jesus said that Jonah was a prophet. So anybody that would want to argue, how could God ever use somebody like this? Jesus is the one that put accreditation to the man that God had already used before. And we learned that this last week. So upon receiving the call, what did Jonah do? What what did he do? When God said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, where where did he go? Well, the opposite way. He went to a place called Joppa, didn't he? He turned his back on God and he ran. uh, And pretty soon he finds himself in a predicament. First, he finds himself down in a ship. And uh, that's when God sends a chastening storm into his life. But we see him not just down in the ship. The Bible says that he went down into the sides of the ship where he was sleeping. Um, and then we see him a little, wa- a little later, uh, we see the ship's in peril, right? And then the, the sailors come to him and they say, hey, what are you doing down here? Come up here and we're going to figure out what's going on. He goes, I know what's going on. He said, all this is happening because of me. What? He goes, yeah, I actually fear the Lord. He wants me to do one thing, and I'm running away from him. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? So they tried to save him. They already tried to row their way out of the storm. Then they tried to lighten the ship out of the storm. And then finally, Jonah comes and says, look, if this is going to go away, you're going to have to kill me. You're going to have to just throw me overboard, and I promise you it'll be okay. Well, they look around at each other, and they're like, well, okay, you drew the short straw later, dude. And so they threw him over, and they're like, God, please don't hold this to our account. It's not us. It's him, right? And that's, that's kind of the short end of the stick. So he gets thrown overboard. So in, an, a desperate, in, in a desperate attempt to end his life, he convinces these mariners to throw him overboard. But the Lord had done something. Do you remember? What did the Lord have prepared? A great fish. We just read that verse in verse 17. God had prepared a great fish that was going, to, was going to save Jonah's life, all right? So listen, if God wants to keep you from doing something stupid, he has the power to do it, and that's the idea. God stayed Jonah's wish of dying, and he was saved. So this reminds us of a great truth, and that's this. God had more trouble getting his servant willing than bringing Nineveh to repentance, and we talked about that last week. Think about that. He had a harder time getting his a believer to say yes to God than he did unbelievers to say yes to God. And that's pretty sad, to be honest with you. But when you look back as Jonah writes this, you, you get the idea, especially in this verse, this kind of, uh, to me at least, it authenticates the fact that Jonah is the one that is writing this. Because he des- not only does he s- describe where he went down in the belly of the whale, and he talks about the bars of uh, the earth being around him, and that's the, the rib cage and the seaweed and all that kind of stuff. But he writes it, he kind of writes it from, this is what I was experiencing, this is what I see, this is what is the truth that you need to know. And, 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 and as he writes this chapter, it's just amazing what he reveals, and it really is eye-opening to us as we study his prayer in its entirety. So this morning we want to look at three simple truths about Jonah's prayer, and then we want to do our best to 
apply them to our life, okay? So let's answer the first question, or let's look at the, at the first principle. First of all, where he prayed. Let's just look at where he was when he prayed, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, all right? Where did he pray? Where? Outside the fish's belly. Very good. This seems like a strange place to pray, doesn't it? I mean, nobody would be like, you know, I'm looking for a new prayer closet. I think what I'll do is see if I can get swallowed by the largest will in the world, and uh, then, then I'll know my prayers will be sincere. I mean, it just seems like a strange, strange place to pray. And certainly, it's not a, pray, a place that we would choose to pray, but it was, listen, it was where he was. And that's the point of it for all of us. He, he was where he was, and that was the place to pray. So look in your notes. Letter A, the place to pray is where you are. You need to pray wherever you are. Don't wait all week to pray when you come to church. Don't do that. Don't wait to seek the Lord in prayer when you get here, when we open in prayer or at the invitation. Don't wait for that. Um, don't wait for everything. Certainly don't wait for everything in your life to be settled in an order before you pray. Okay? Don't wait uh, for your president to be in office. Don't wait for your Congress to be in office. Don't wait for world peace. Wherever you find yourself in your life, that's the place to pray. It's not a matter of, well, you know, Lord, if I had all of these things right, I'll, I have to get all of these things right first, then I'll have time to pray. Or if I just get these things settled in my heart, then I'll pray. Or if I was, you know, if, if I actually had a closet I could get into, because the Bible talks about a prayer closet, if I actually had a closet, then I'm sure I'd pray. No, no, no. Wherever you are, pray. That's the whole point. Jesus said, when you pray. He didn't say an if or after you get things settled, then pray. He said, when you pray. The place to pray is where you are. Secondly, I want you to notice the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer. The Bible says in verse 2, and said, I cried by reason of my inflection unto the Lord, and notice, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Twice in one verse, one small verse, Jonah felt inspired by God to write of the fact that no matter what I had done, no matter where I was, no matter what my heart condition was, when I prayed to God, he heard me. Aren't you thankful that he hears prayers still? You know why? Because God, the Bible says God is full of compassion and of great mercy. The Bible tells us that he is ready to forgive. It's interesting to me how many times people perhaps would forget that God actually hears. Maybe just because we're praying and he doesn't answer, we think he's not listening, but that is not the case. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Psalm 31 and verse 22, for I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me that even when my heart fails, that God never fails. Even if my heart says, I don't feel like God is listening to me, I don't think that God is hearing me, God says, no, I want you to know that I do hear you. I want you to know that I'm hearing you when you're praying in the right heart and the right mind. Psalm 34, verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. John 9, 31, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Now think about that. Are you praying where you are? Are you waiting to get 
to something else or to, to, some things have to happen before you can genuinely pray. Because God says, wherever you are, that's where you need to pray. And I want you to know that when you do that, when you accept the fact that this is your circumstances and you pray, guess what? You're not only acknowledging me in all your ways, but you're praying I'm hearing you. And that means that I'm going to direct your paths from here. Let's apply it to our life. I think you have that in your notes. Far better to pray in normal surroundings than to wait until we are in abnormal surroundings. Far better to pray when we're in our normal surroundings. Jonah should have been praying long before he ended up in the belly of the whale. It would have been far better for that. Um, And in the end there, now is the time to pray. So where he prayed was a result of his actions before. Okay, now let's look at secondly why he prayed. Why he prayed. Look at verse 2. And said, I cried, and then it tells you why. By reason of mine what? By reason of mine affliction. You know, it's interesting. Some people won't pray without a reason. And so God gives them the reason. God says, okay, I can't get you to pray because of my blessings. Everybody get it? I, I, I can't get you to pray because I'm, I've been so good and favorable. I can't get you to pray when things are really going well. So I'm going to give you a few reasons to pray. And, 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 and look, the, the very first thing that we read about Jonah is the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he said, arise and go. Now, I want you to remember this. They didn't have the Bible. And so when Jonah is told by God, he's actually hearing God arise and go. Do you know, understand how special that is? And yet, instead of, instead of even talking with him like Moses did, he could have, and he could have given him a whole bunch of excuses. Instead, he just turns his back and hightails it down to Joppa. And so we know lots of things about what had to happen? He had to be afflicted in order for him to get to pray. Letter A, he prayed by reason of his affliction. Verse 2 says it. Verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Look at verse 5. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, and the depth closed me round about. The, the weeds were wrapped about my head. It doesn't sound like anything other than he was really in affliction. None of that sounds comfortable, does it? None of it sounds comfortable. The Bible says, by the way, in Psalm 25 and verse 16, turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain. And then notice what it says, and forgive all my sins. Remember what we talked about last week? What happened to Jonah? He was being chastened. Why? Because of sin. And God said, okay, well, because I love you, I'm going to chasten you. The Bible word is affliction. I'm going to give you affliction because you're running away from me. What's the goal? I just want to talk to you. I want to talk to you because if you get your heart right and you'll listen to me, I have a plan. I have an expected end to get to you. And I want you to listen. I want you to obey. Psalm 88 and verse 9, mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. It's interesting how how everywhere in the Bible you find if there's affliction and it gets bad enough, people start to pray. (laughs) You ever been there? Where you get to a point, or maybe you're not there yet. You know, there's, there's sections of the Bible, I preached an entire message on this, 
There's sections in the Bible where God says, okay, I'll just throw it out, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a, uh, I'm gonna send a, um, a famine because I want you to turn to me. And the famine didn't get them to turn. So, okay, well, now I'm going to send a, uh, I'm going to send a moraine. I'm going to send this disease and pestilence to you. That, that wouldn't turn them. And so I'm going to send a conquering army to you. And I'm going to kill your children. And I'm going to kill your spouses. And, and yet they didn't turn. And I have in the margin of the Bible, how bad does it need to get before we actually turn? Before we actually turn our eyes back up to God and before we say, okay, Lord, I, 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 I have stretched out my hands. I've called upon thee because of what I'm experiencing, and you're right, and I'm wrong. He prayed by reason of affliction. Secondly, he was afflicted by reason of neglect. Okay? Now, let me explain this. He hadn't been praying for some time. Remember, he was fleeing from God. Remember, he had to be told, get up, right? I want you to arise and go. Um, neglecting his spiritual responsibilities, and he was sleeping when God was trying to get his attention. Arise and go. I want you to get up, get back in the game. I want you to go. Now, let me say this. Forgetting about the Lord and neglecting your relationship with him is very costly. Think about that. Not just for you, but the people whom God has chosen for you to minister to. Being out of the will of God is costly for everybody. And so God says, hey, listen, I want you to understand you should have been praying before. If your heart would have been right before, when I said arise and go, instead of going south, you would be going north. Instead of going to Joppa, you would have been going to Nineveh. But you were so far out of it. Jonah, you're running away from me. Now, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to afflict you just to get you to turn around. And by the way, stop this whole progress. Not only did he go down, he went down into the fish. You can't get any farther down. Period. Now, he finally gets his attention. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Psalm 78, verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. I wonder... If there's ever been somebody in the nation of Israel that said this, well, I am the way I am because my daddy was that way. That's what that verse just says. Stubborn as your fathers were. We have people living in America like that. I'm a jerk to my wife because my dad was a jerk to his wife. I'm a bad dad because my dad was bad to me. I'm a bad mom because my mom was whatever. I, I'm this way because of all this that's happened to me so that I'm just this way. God says, I I don't expect you to, I, I, I'm not going to let you off the hook because your dads were that way. I'm coming after you because you're acting that way. He was afflicted by reason of neglect. What happened? He just had completely forgotten about his God. He prayed from the belly of a fish. He prayed because he was afflicted. He was in an uncomfortable place. And the chastening of God is a very hard place to be. But I will tell you this, it's effective he got his attention, didn't he? Now, let's just go through here for a minute. Let's go back and, and, and start back here in verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. The waters, now, now, now watch, verse 4 is one of those statements that are made 
outside of the actual story, right? Then will I look to their holy temple. So he knows. He knows. When I'm, when I'm busted up, I'm going to look to my holy te- your holy temple. And I'll, I'll give you the, the verse that will help remind him of that. Uh, verse 5, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. Uh, the depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth were her bar, uh, with her bars was about me. So all that he's describing is what? In the belly of a fish. So all that comes in to the fish is all about him. By the way, you have to understand, that Jonah's not the only guy in history that's ever been swallowed by a whale. You need to understand that. There are living examples, pictures of people who've been swallowed and barfed back out and what they look like afterward because of everything that goes on down there. Now, I want you to think about, just think about this. He's in the belly of the fish. Is it light or dark? Let's say pitch black, right? Can't see your head in front of your face type black. He's wet. Do you suppose he's cold or warm? Frigid would be a word I'd use. Um, how does he, if he can't see, how does he know the bars are there? right? (laughs) Right down the ribs, right? What is this all around me? Uh, Why do I? It's seaweed. That's what he's talking about. He literally is describing every sense that he's going through while he's being afflicted of God in the belly of the fish. Now, let's go on. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought upon my life, I'm sorry, Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now, you start seeing a change here, and he's, he's understanding, I know what's going on. It says, it says, yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. You've saved me from doing what I know I wasn't supposed to do, and that's try to kill myself. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came into thee, into the holy temple. So let's look at number three and talk about when he prayed. Where was he? He was in the belly of the fish, right? Why did he pray? Because God was afflicting him. He was chastening him. He was putting him in a place that was uncomfortable. And, and what did that do? It brought Jonah back to his senses because he used all of his senses and he couldn't see or, or, or did, didn't have a clue. It was like the only thing that matters right now is the fact that I'm alive, I know why I'm alive, and God must be trying to get my attention. So then the Bible says in verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. The phrase when his soul fainted, when my soul fainted, um, or when, it, it basically means that he was at the end of himself. It means to have no more strength. It means to be completely feeble. God put him in a place where he had nothing but God. That's huge. Now, there are a lot of Christians that will try to live the Christian life on their own, and then when they don't have anything left, what happens? They turn to God. By the way, it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that they finally come to the point where they go, I can't do this, or what am I trying to do without God? Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. But through me and by me, you can do all things. So why are you trying? Jonah finally came to the end of himself. Jonah could not resist any longer. He couldn't run any longer. No more running, no more spiritual deafness. And like the prodigal son, he turns to the Lord. Letter A, we see a change of his mind. He was trying to run from God. What's he trying to do? Not only did he forget God, he was trying to forget what he said. I want to get away from the presence of God, which of course is absurd, but nevertheless he tried. He remembered the Lord. 
his conditions caused him to think about God instead of himself. What happens when God narrows our way? You remember um, when Balaam was on the donkey, right? He's like, okay, I'm going to go make some money. So he gets on the, on the donkey and he starts walking. The donkey's like, I'm not going that way because there's an angel of the Lord going to kill him. So he turns and he's like yelling, he's cussing. And he, the story tells you like two or three times, he finally gets to the point where he's like, you know, the donkey's just like, forget it. You don't understand me. I don't understand you. So I'm just going to fall down here because I am not going that way. And he goes berserk on the donkey, right? Because he doesn't see where he's at. An animal has better sense than, Bala- or than, uh, yeah, than Balaam at that point, right? And, and it's because he's only thinking of himself. He's not thinking about God's will. Same thing with Jonah. By the way, sometimes the same thing with us. All we are consumed with is ourself. And so when God gets us to the end of ourselves, he gives us the sum total of what we should be thinking about him all along. The Bible says in Psalm 42 and verse 4, do you have those on your notes? You don't? Turn in your Bible there. I want you to see these. Do you have any verses under that letter A? Oh, great. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 42, and then we're going to go to 63. His conditions caused him to think about God instead of himself. Psalm 42. Everybody there? Psalm 42. Look at verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. And then listen, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee. Do you see that? David's writing here, and he's saying, listen, if you read previous to that at the beginning, the context is of praise and what what happens to your soul when you go to the house of the Lord with others that are doing that. But in the middle of that, he's like, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? And then he remembers, your hope is not in what you can do. Your hope is not in this world. It's not in yourself It's in God. And he remembers, he only has that hope when he remembers God. And so Jonah says, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh, but I'm not going to talk to you about it. I'm going to run. God says, well, you're not going to run out of my presence, so I'm just going to change the conditions of your life. I'm going to put you in a position where the only thing that you can do is think about me. And so what happens? It worked. And praise the Lord, it worked right? Praise the Lord that Jonah had enough sense to come to a census and say, okay, my hope is going to be in God. Turn to Psalm 63. I've been afflicted. He realizes the position that he's in, and he realizes that his only hope is in Jehovah God. Psalm 63. Look at verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remembered thee upon my bed. I'm sorry, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Can we say it this way? 
there probably shouldn't be any time or any day when we don't think and remember God. I hope and pray that you never have to get your life in such a mess that everything is completely reduced to nothing and then you decide to remember God. It would be better to do it while everything is the way that it is. Kind of like praying. We talked about that. Instead of neglecting it, saying, I'm going to pray where I am because the place I am is the place of prayer. That's what I'm supposed to pray. That's where I'm supposed to pray. We see his change of mind. Secondly, we see his change of heart. Let's continue reading in verse 7. His change of, uh, his change of heart. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, I have, that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Does that sound way different than the Jonah we saw in chapter 1? Completely different, doesn't it? Notice what it says. Look at verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. What does that mean? They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. What does that mean? Okay, let's follow that thought. So if you are chasing your own vanity or that which someone else would tell you is more meaningful, what happens? What's the, what's the product of that verse? What's it, what's it say? If I do that, what am I forsaking? The one thing that I need more than anything. Mercy and goodness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sounds like a different path, doesn't it? They, the Bible says, they that observe lying vanities, that there's more weight with what someone else, or let's say that the world says, I'm going to put more weight, I'm going to put more value, I'm going to cast my affections on those things more than on the mercies of God. In fact, in doing that, I'm forsaking the very mercy of God. I'm pursuing something that is taking me away from the mercies of God. Verse 9, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. What is that talking about? What do you think? I will pay that that I have vowed. Okay. He's like, you call me to preach, I'll preach. You want me to be your man to do it, I'll do it. Okay? By the way, it's easy to make commitments when you're in the belly of a fish, isn't it? (laughs) It's real easy to do that. It's much harder to do it when you're not, but it's easy when that's the only choice that you have right? And then notice what it says, salvation is of the Lord. I just want you to see the change of heart. When you read those and you slow them down, it's not just that he remembers the Lord, but his whole vernacular changes, his heart changes when he puts his mind on God. When your mind is stayed on God, your life begins to make sense, and your willingness to do his will changes when your mind is stayed on God. Remember, I remembered the Lord, the Bible says. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. 
and my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. Now listen to the heart change. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but not me. I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. God, if you want to save me, hallelujah for that. I'm an idiot. But if you want to save Nineveh, praise the Lord. It's up to you. And if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. He had decided Nineveh wasn't worth it. But in the bottom of the fish, he decided that God said they were worth it. And so he says salvation is of the Lord. The only thing that keeps our prayers, listen, from reaching God's ears is our own sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. Okay? So, wait, you said, Pastor, that God hears. Yes, until we come to remembering our sin. When we remember the Lord, like Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. I know my faults. I know my sin in the light of looking at God's face. And Jonah is no different. I know what has happened. What happens when I remember the Lord? I see my sinfulness. And now what do I get to do? I get to confess it. I get to ask God to forgive me. That's what verse 8 is all about. I've observed lying vanities, God. I have decided that my life was worth more than your principles and promises, and so I'm forsaking that. I'm going to fulfill the vow that you've called, called me for. When we have a change of heart, God hears, he heals, and he forgives. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's Jonah's prayer. Then look at verse, look at verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. And, and you know what? I'm so thankful that the Bible in some places is, has great discretion, and it, and it should have discretion. But sometimes there's no discretion needed. And at the end of verse 10, it says, and it vomited. <laughs> that's, that's, what, what other word are you going to use? Right? He threw up. Just doesn't have the same power behind it, right? When it says vomited, I just picture projectile, right? So how do you know that? Do you honestly think that the, that the fish swam up to the shore? No. When that bad boy belched out Jonah, he had to clear everything coming out of the throat right out of his mouth. He wasn't like... <laughs> that, that did not happen. I promise. Projectile vomiting from a fish. And it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Okay? So he didn't say, it could have said, it could have said, Phil, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to barf him out here in the water, and he swam in. That's not what it says. Right? Boom! <laughs> it could have been a 10-foot shot. It could have been a 20-foot shot. I don't know. But I know this. When he got out, he smelled. It was not pretty. No, no amount of brushing teeth, rubbing in the sand was going to get that off him. I don't know how long it took for him to get to Nineveh, but can you imagine if he got to Nineveh, and when he got there, he was just bleach white? You'd be like, it's a ghost, repent! You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how all that, and that's all comical and fine, but I do know this, that God says here that if that's the way you're going to vow to me, and if that's what your heart is right now, then I'm still going to use you. And that's the, greater, that's the greater part for us, that God delivers Jonah at the end of this chapter. Instead of swimming with the fishes, he finds himself on dry ground, and he delivered from trouble.
He's delivered from trouble. Then when all is right, the word of the Lord comes to him a second time. And thank God for second chances. But also thank God that he's able, that it's never too late to be used of God. <laughs> There's so much to be said about, about Jonah, both negatively, I think here positively, obviously, but the fact is this story is so much more about God than it is Jonah, like every story in the Bible. Because not only do we all need second chances, we all need to remember that our God is that God that says, if you're willing to turn to me, I'm still willing to use you. The question is not, am I willing to use you? The question is, will you let me use you? Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to do that which you think is difficult? Now remember, in this chapter, Jonah is confessing the will of God is far better than lying vanities. Whether it's the world or my own emotions, the will of God is far better. If I go to the will of God, I'm going to have mercy and truth pursue me. But outside of the will of God, I'm in the belly of a fish. Who wants that? Maybe this is where the Godfather got swimming with the fishes. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, God says, okay, now, now that I have your attention, I want you to go. And, he, and he's faithful to give him that word again. Man, I pray that today God would give us the word of God again, that he would speak to us specifically, that we would be in a place in our heart and headspace where we could actually hear from the Lord. Anybody have any questions about that? Yeah. Twelve? 